If you have a Bible, could you please take it and turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6, as we continue through the Sermon on the Mount. And this Sunday we are going to look at Matthew 6, verses 25 through 34. Uh, these, this is a, uh, a well-known and well-loved passage of Scripture. It's beautiful, it's practical, it is convicting, and it's even a little comical. And I imagine it's, it's well-loved and well-known for those reasons, but also because it addresses an issue that we deal with on a regular basis, namely the issue of anxiety and worry. I hardly need to convince you that we all need a word from the Lord about anxiety and worry because we all struggle with these things. In fact, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that we face anxiety to one degree or another every day of our lives. Would you agree? Well, what, what exactly is worry? Worry is, is fear about the future. It's, it's anxiety and apprehension about the uncertainties of life, things that we can't control. And in darker moments of our lives, maybe even in the midst of a pandemic, it seems like everything in life is uncertain, that we don't know what's going to happen, which means that our options for anxiety are endless. We could find anything that we want to to worry about. And in addition to that, the sins that spring from anxiety are also innumerable. And while we can worry about almost anything, I would say that money and possessions are probably at the top of that list for many of us. And that's actually exactly what Jesus is addressing here. He addresses worry uh, in general, but specifically he's speaking about worrying and having anxiety about money. Having just called us to, to not be preoccupied with amassing money and stuff to instead lay up treasures in heaven rather than on earth and to serve God rather than money, he is now calling us to not be preoccupied with the money and the possessions that we are in daily need of. Here's what he says to us in our passage today. He says, don't be anxious about earthly things, but trust your heavenly father and seek after his kingdom. Don't be anxious about earthly things. Don't worry about earthly things. Don't be anxious about earthly things, but instead trust your heavenly father and seek after his kingdom. With that big idea in mind, let's read Matthew 6, verses 25 through 34. Matthew 6, beginning in verse 25. Therefore, Jesus says, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap, yet nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these, all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. 
but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Well, we've established that we all worry, and to one degree or another, we all worry about money and possessions. And therefore, the related commands here are very clear. We should most definitely not worry or be anxious. And Jesus is calling us to not worry about our most basic needs, about food and water and clothing, about our lives and our, and our bodies, as he says it in verse 25, which are things that we often think about, probably because we live in them. Think about the, the magazines in the grocery store aisle. The ones that are not focused on celebrity gossip are filled with articles about fashion and food, about diets and fitness and cosmetics, because we think about our bodies a lot. What we do with our bodies occupies a lot of our headspace. And Jesus says that we should not be anxiously consumed with these things. Now, here's the thing, though. If Jesus in this passage is just saying, don't be anxious about these things, then that would not be helpful or life-giving to us. Because worry is a, is a difficult thing to shake, isn't it? When, when your mind gets fixated on something that causes anxiety, it is hard to think about anything else. Our anxious thoughts become like an annoying song that we would like to stop singing, but is stuck in our head. And, and when that's happening with worry, well-meaning people tell us, and we tell ourselves, don't worry about it. And it sounds so simple, doesn't it? Just don't worry about it. And yet our minds just naturally wander back to these well-worn ruts of worry on the path of life, the bills that need paid, the expenses that are coming, the food or clothes or the other things that we desire. And for many in the world, their bodies, their, their bodies are constantly reminding them that they're hungry and that they're thirsty and they're anxious about that. And so Jesus, therefore, he's not just simply saying, don't be anxious, and that's it. But rather, he is going to provide us with, with truth to build our lives on, truths to bolster our faith and refocus our hearts so that there's no room for worry to settle in. He says to us, don't be anxious about earthly things. Trust your heavenly Father and seek after his kingdom. I want to break that down a little bit and think about our lack of faith and our incorrect focus and the remedies of trust and refocusing. Deeper, rightly directed faith and a focus on what truly matters are the prescription that Jesus is going to give us for fighting worry and anxiety. So first he says this, just two points, two big points um, in this sermon. The first one is, you of little faith, trust your heavenly Father. You of little faith, trust your heavenly Father. In verse 30 of this passage, if you look at it there, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? In that verse, Jesus makes it clear what he has been hinting at in the previous five verses that we'll see, is that when he, he, he calls us as his disciples, people of little faith. Uh, and, and in that phrase, which is actually just one word in the original, he reveals that the root of our anxiety and worry is unbelief. The root of anxiety and worry is unbelief. Now, you might be offended, actually, by what Jesus is saying. Is Jesus calling us names? <laughs> Has he just sort of kicked us 
while we're down. We're, we're anxious and we're worried. And Jesus says, oh, trust me, tiny faith. Have a little faith, little faith. Well, don't be offended by Jesus, okay? This is actually a gracious thing because Jesus' clarity reveals that anxiety is not a small thing that we should just sort of stop doing, but it's actually a sin. It's the sin of not trusting God. And in fact, all sin is a lack of faith, and anxiety is also a sin of unbelief. So Jesus is like a good doctor, a good doctor who doesn't just cover up your symptoms, but rather seeks to get to the root of your issues. A major illness can't be treated simply with aspirin, and worry can't be shaken off just as something small that we should kind of stop doing. Rather, uh, we, we need to see worry for what it is, that it's a lack of trust, it's a lack of faith in our Heavenly Father. And seeing the depth of that issue, we're not supposed to despair, but rather we should be compelled to fight against worry and to fight with more vigilance the fight of faith and of believing. So we must fight for faith, and we must fight for faith in God specifically because when we're anxious, we are actually, we're not completely faithless. We're just trusting the wrong things. And one of the places that we are tempted to put our faith is in ourselves. And so Jesus is telling us, as he says, you have little faith, trust your heavenly Father. He says to us also, trusting ourselves is futile. Trusting ourselves is futile. And that's because we really we can really do nothing to preserve our lives. We, we think we're really strong and we think we're in control. But look at verse 27. Jesus says, which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? <laughs> our anxiety and our, our worry does nothing to extend or secure our lives. We can't worry ourselves into another year of life. In fact, worry makes matters worse, doesn't it? Anxiety doesn't lengthen our lives, it shortens them. I read a study this week that said uh, being under heavy stress shortens the life expectancy of the average 30-year-old man by 2.8 years. <laughs> heavy stress can shorten someone's life by almost three years, worrying and stressing about things. Trusting ourselves is futile. So in the stress of life, and even when things are going well and all is provided for, don't look to yourself. Rather, look to the Father. Why? Because if trusting ourselves is futile, trusting our Father is foolproof. Trusting our Father is foolproof. The opening words of the Lord's Prayer that we studied are echoed in verses 26 and 32, where we see that, word, the, that phrase, Heavenly Father, and they remind us that we have a Father in heaven. We said in our study of the Lord's Prayer that this, this title of God reminds us that we have a Father who loves and cares for us, but also a Father who is in heaven. Uh, and therefore, he's powerful and exalted, and he's able to do anything that we ask of him. When we're filled with anxiety, we look to him, and we know that he is able and he is willing to help us. Of course, that can be hard. It can be hard to, to trust our Heavenly Father because we can't see Him. One of the reasons we're tempted to trust ourselves is that we can see the work that we do. I can see the numbers in my bank account. I can see the food in my refrigerator. However, God is, is at work, often just in, in invisible ways. Or maybe His timing feels a little bit off. Or His timing just feels a little bit too last minute for us. And so we feel like we need to trust something else. And so because of that, because of sort of the hidden nature of God's care, 
Jesus graciously gives us, as we, we who are of little faith, he gives us a couple of ways that we can spot God's powerful and loving hand in our world and therefore know that he is for us. And both of these examples go from lesser to greater. So in other words, he, he says that if God cares for this tiny little thing, then of course he cares for his children whom he loves and who are created in his image. And the first image is that rather than worrying, we are called to look at the birds. Look at the birds. And in looking at the birds, we see our Father's tender and powerful care in relation to his provision for, of our food and our water. This is how Sally Lloyd-Jones in the Jesus Storybook Bible puts it. You can see a little picture of some, um, some birds with a grocery cart. Okay, so that's your, your preview. She says, she writes this, See those birds over there, Jesus said? Everyone looked. Little sparrows were pecking at seeds along the stony path. Where did they get their food? Perhaps they have pantries all stocked up, cabinets full of food. Everyone laughed. Who's ever seen a bird with a bag of groceries? No, Jesus said, they don't need to worry about that because God knows what they need and he feeds them. Now, I love that. It's beautiful. But we should also note that that if we watch the birds, if you go out and you watch the birds, then you will see that they don't lay on their backs and wait for God to drop food in their mouth. There's a reason why we all know the phrase, the early bird gets the worm. They rise before the sun rises and they work hard to feed themselves and to feed their young. But in doing that, they are dependent on God. And he tells us that they work without worrying. Their hope is not in their early rising. Their hope is not in their work. Their hope is in the grace of God. And so too, no matter how hard we work, we have to remember that God is our provider. And so if God is our provider, if God cares for the birds, well, of course he's going to care for us. We have nothing to worry about. In the second image, Jesus tells us to look at the flowers and to consider how beautiful they are. Indulge me as I read a little more, Sally Lloyd-Jones. Here's some flowers with clothes on. And what about these wildflowers? Everyone looked all around them. Flowers were growing, anemones, daisies, pure white lilies. Where do they get their lovely clothes? Do they make them? Or do they go to work every day so they can buy them? Do they have closets full of clothes? Everyone laughed again. Who's ever seen a flower putting on a dress? No, Jesus said. They don't need to worry about that because God clothes them in royal robes of splendor. Not even a king is that well-dressed. Worry and anxiety are a lack of faith in God, a lack of faith in our Father. And so we must fight for faith. How do we fight for faith? You know how you fight for faith? You go outside and you go bird-watching. You kneel down and you look at the grass and you look at the flowers. Here's an application, and I mean this with all seriousness. When you are worried, take a walk. When we are overwhelmed, one of the best things that we can do is go outside. You know, sometimes our four walls help us, they, they close us in, and we think that this is all that there is, and you go outside and you look at the sky, and you see everything, and your mind says, oh, for some reason I thought that I was the only person that existed in this world. We go outside and we're to look at the world and know that if God, the creator, feeds and he clothes everything that he has made, then certainly our loving, 
powerful Heavenly Father is going to feed and is going to clothe us. Yet again, we are taken back to the Lord's Prayer and the petition for daily bread. Kids, I don't know if you remember this, but when we were thinking about daily bread, I asked you some questions. I said, when you get hungry, who do you ask for food? Who do you ask for food, kids, when you get hungry? All the parents know. They ask you, mom and dad. <laughs> and do you have to go to the do kids go to the grocery store by themselves? No. Do parents ever ask their children, hey, what's for dinner? Not typically. And when you go to a restaurant, who pays for that meal? Mom and dad. When we're tempted towards the unbelief of worry, Jesus tells us to say to our hearts, I have a heavenly father who loves me. I have a father who loves me and he can meet all of my needs. He feeds the birds. He clothes the grass. Of course he's going to take care of me, his child made in his image. Verses 31 and 32 tell us that if we do the opposite and if we go about wringing our hands and saying, oh no, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? Then we're acting like we don't have a heavenly father. We're acting like everybody else. We look like everyone else in the world. We don't look like people who have been redeemed and loved by our father. I think those verses, verses 30 and 31, are a comfort to those that are followers of Christ and they're a reality check for those who are not. They declare to us that if you have not come to know the Father as your, if you have not come to know God as your Father through faith in Jesus, then you actually do have things to worry about and things much more serious than food and clothing. Because only the Christian, the, the child of God purchased by the blood of Jesus, can have the kingdom confidence that's spoken of here. A, a confidence that extends beyond food and clothes all the way to eternal salvation. Yes, God's common grace sends rain on the good and on the evil, but the kind of confidence that's found here is reserved for those who have entered God's kingdom through faith in Jesus, who have found Jesus to be the bread of life who satisfies, Jesus to be the living water who quenches our thirst and cleanses our souls, Jesus to be the one who clothes us in his righteousness so that we can stand before God blameless and forgiven. The Christian can trust the Father for her physical needs because she knows Romans 8.32. If God has not spared his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? If you've never repented of your sins and trusted in Jesus, then God invites you to do so today and to find in him not just provision for your physical needs, but provision for your eternal satisfaction and salvation. So to, to be a child of God not only gives us confidence in a heavenly father's care, which is what we see in this, in this passage, but it also, it also changes what we're seeking after. And so Jesus says, not only to us, you of little faith, trust your heavenly father, but secondly, he says, you of incorrect focus, seek the kingdom and its righteousness. You of incorrect focus, seek the kingdom and its righteousness. Here's what worry does. Worry takes something that we normally don't think about, and it makes it the only thing that we think about. I was listening to a sermon by John Piper, and he compared this to mud on your car windshield. Usually you're looking down the road at what's coming, and you see a big view of what's happening, but if you get mud on your windshield, or maybe in the middle of, of winter you get that sort of sludge, you know, that, that, that's there. 
then that's all you can see is the stuff that's right in front of you. And that's what worry does to us. For instance, I don't normally think about waking up at, at an exact time, that I need to be awake right at this moment, especially if it's really early in the morning. But if I've got an early morning meeting or when we're in the Philippines and we've got to catch a flight that's at like 5.30 and if we miss it, we're stuck in the Philippines for another who knows how long. That's all I'm thinking about. And you know what I don't do? I don't sleep. I don't sleep at all because I'm worried. And wor- that's what worrying does. It distracts us from, from, what, from what we should be focusing on. It distracts us from great, more important things and makes us think about one small thing that we really can't do anything about. I, I think this incorrect focus is hinted at in verse 25 when Jesus asks this question. He says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? He's saying, aren't there more important things in life than what you eat and what you wear? This also ties back, I think, to verses 19 through 24, which is why all of those commands begin with the word, therefore. Therefore, don't be anxious. It's taking us back to verses 19 through 24. The call in those verses was to lay up treasure in heaven, to have a a focused and generous eye and to serve God, not money. We said that in short, that means Jesus was telling us to strive for the wholehearted devotion to God's kingdom that makes Jesus our treasure. You know another way to say that? Verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You won't be surprised that this also takes us back to the centerpiece of the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord's Prayer. Remember, how do we begin the Lord's Prayer? We focus on God's concerns. We focus on his name, his kingdom, his will. And then we ask for our concerns. Our concerns, and what's the first one? Our daily bread. We ask for our daily bread. And those prayers for God's concerns shape how we pray for our concerns. So, do you want to seek God's kingdom? Pray the Lord's Prayer. That's one way to seek God's kingdom is because we begin with God's concerns, with what's most important, with seeking his kingdom. But not only are we to seek God's concerns first in prayer, but also in our daily lives. As followers of Jesus, we we don't live for the material wealth that we might gain in this world. In fact, we don't even allow ourselves to become preoccupied with our daily needs, Jesus says. Rather, we are to seek God's kingdom first, trusting that he will give us everything else we need. And so while it's wise to make plans for the future, we are not anxious about the years that are ahead of us. In fact, we're we're told don't even worry about tomorrow, right? Verse 34, we know that each day has enough trouble of its own. So worrying about tomorrow keeps us from focusing on the concerns of today and also keeps us from focusing on a greater day, on the the coming day of the Lord, that that's what we are to be living for. If we are anxious, if if we are not anxious, then we can take all of that energy and all of that headspace that we save by not worrying, and what do we do with it? We refocus and we invest ourselves in seeking God's kingdom and his righteousness. That's what Jesus wants us to do. Stop worrying because when you're worrying about all this stuff, you're not seeking my kingdom. You're just thinking about all these things. Refocus. Seek my kingdom and my righteousness. What does that mean? How do we do that? How do we seek God's kingdom and his righteousness? Well, we could simply say that 
walking in the ways of the Sermon on the Mount is a way of seeking his kingdom and his, his greater righteousness. I think that's basically what he's saying is, stop worrying about this stuff and do what I'm telling you to do right here. We can look back at chapter 5 and, and, and this call to keeping the heart of the law, or chapter 6, this private righteousness that seeks the reward of the Father alone. These are, are seeking after God's kingdom and his righteousness. And we seek these first rather than seeking the kingdom of the earth or the riches that, that the, the world has to offer. Seek, God, seeking God's kingdom is living the Sermon on the Mount. John Stott also says that seeking God's kingdom and righteousness can be found in seeking the salvation of others and engaging in social action that is concerned about justice and reconciliation and the like. So how do we seek God's kingdom? By seeking the salvation of others and through social action. Here's a little summary he gives. He says a lot more about it, but I found this helpful. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness may be said to embrace our Christian evangelistic and social, respons social responsibilities, much as do the salt and light metaphors of Matthew 5. So again, Jesus is saying something he's already said. In order to seek first God's kingdom, we must evangelize, since the kingdom spreads only as the gospel of Christ is preached, heard, believed, and obeyed. In order to seek first God's righteousness, we shall still evangelize, for the inward righteousness of the heart is impossible otherwise, but we shall also engage in social action and endeavor to spread throughout the community those higher standards of righteousness which are pleasing to God. What does it mean to seek God's kingdom? We're thinking about living the Sermon on the Mount. We're thinking about seeking the salvation of others. We're thinking about social action. Here's another thought about verse 33. The opposite of seeking God's kingdom is worrying about our own needs. Therefore, the positive act of faith is to invest in things that last. And what does Jesus say are things that will last? The things that, what's going to last in his kingdom is, is giving to those in need. Whoops. Want to hear something interesting? Do you know how you deal with worry about your possessions? and your things, and your money, give them away. <laughs> if you give them away, you don't have to worry about them anymore. If things hold on to your heart, then get rid of them. Give to those in need, and trust that in seeking the kingdom in that way, God will provide for you. It's a beautiful thing to give things away and watch how your heart lets go of love of things and love of money and begins to trust God. So, don't be anxious about earthly things, but trust your Heavenly Father. Seek after His kingdom. This is a call to live like children of God. Remember, you have a Heavenly Father who cares for you. And remember that you are members of God's kingdom. And so He is your Lord, and He is your King, and you are called to serve Him and Him alone, not money, not possessions, not the things of this earth. A final Sally Lloyd-Jones quote. Here's how she ends this little part about the Sermon on the Mount. She says about the crowd, she says that the crowd had never met a king, but as they gazed out over the lake, glittering and sparkling below them, the hillsides dressed in reds, purples, and golds, they felt a great burden lift from their hearts. They could not imagine anything more beautiful Little flock, Jesus said, you are more important than birds, more important than flowers. The birds and the flowers don't sit and worry about things. 
And God doesn't want his children to worry either. God loves to look after the birds and the flowers. And he loves to look after you. God is a father that we can trust. And God is a king worth serving with our whole lives. Don't be anxious. Trust your heavenly father. Seek his kingdom first. Let's take a moment of silence and then I will pray for us. Oh, Father, increase our faith. We are little faiths. We are tiny faith people. So often we worry about such small things and we fail to see the birds around us and the flowers and your creation that you care for. And we are, though we believe that we are much more valuable than them, that you do truly love to care for us just as any parent wants to care for their children and give good gifts, Lord. So you too love us and you want to care for us. Father, anxiety and worry, it, it cripples us. It fills our minds so often. And Lord, when it does, help us to, to turn to you and know that you are a Father who loves us and can meet all of our needs. And help us all also, Lord, to realize that when we're worrying, we are not doing what we're called to do as your children. We're not seeking your kingdom. We're not living in a way that would glorify you, that would allow others to come to salvation, that would um, seek good in this world. So Father, free us from worry. Free us from worry into faith, faith in you, and following hard after you. We ask all this, in Jesus' name, amen.